Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Song of Solomon, chapter 3, verse number 6. Pardon my voice tonight. I don't know, cottonwood, something got into me. Been snorting allergens, I guess. But uh, I was fine this morning. And then this happened, so. Must be a musty, mildewy office. Need to get somebody in there to clean. (laughs) The Bible says in verse number 6. Who is this that cometh out of the wilderness like pillars of smoke, perfumed with myrrh and frankincense, with all powders of the merchant? Behold his bed, which is Solomon's. Threescore valiant men are about it, of the valiant of Israel. They all hold swords, being expert in war. Every man hath his sword upon his thigh because of fear in the night. King Solomon made himself a chariot of wood of Lebanon. He made the pillars thereof of silver, the bottom thereof of gold, the covering of it of purple, the midst thereof being paved with love for the daughters of Jerusalem. Verse 11, go forth, O ye daughters of Zion, and behold the king of Solomon with the crown wherewith his mother crowned him. In the day of his espousals, in the day of the gladness of his heart. Tonight, I would like to simply preach this, the unsung heroes of motherhood. The unsung heroes of motherhood. I just checked to make sure I could use the word heroes, though I was talking about feminine mothers, and I can, because it's not gender-based, it's neutral. And so... Just in case we have any grammar fanatics out there, I'm okay. I don't have to use heroin. I could use heroes. Amen. So the unsung heroes of motherhood. Amen. Number two Mother's Day message for you all today. Amen. Father, we come, Jesus, to you tonight. God, I'm thankful, Lord. God, for an opportunity to be here, I'm praying, God, that you would help strengthen my voice. God, in the next few minutes, God, that we, Lord, convey the word of the Lord. I pray, Jesus, this evening, be able to minister, God, to the people, Lord, in this place. God, plant something within our hearts, something, God, within our souls and in our spirits. We're grateful, Lord, for those that are here. God, on this PM service, pray, oh, Lord, you're able to minister to them. God, we give our all to you, Lord, through worship and dedication, Lord, of our lives. God, we honor you in the lovely name of Jesus Christ that I pray, amen and amen. Shake someone's hand before you're seated here this night. Hallelujah. Amen, and you may be seated with that. Within the pages of this often neglected book of the Bible, Song of Solomon, is... The description that I read in your hearing tonight of a wedding processional, a wedding processional. It is Solomon's wedding, for that matter. It is a great day of joy, as all of us could even remember our own. It is a great day of joy as he marries his bride that is depicted in this book as the Shulamite. 
These words that you read from verses 6 to verses 11 are words that are describing a very dramatic entrance, if you will. It appears as though a wedding party has gathered together with this processional, this wedding processional as its focal point. All eyes and ears are turned toward what is happening with this parade uh, that is taking place among their society. Everybody is interested in what is going on and what is taking place. There are several things in these verses that if you were just a bystander with this parading by or these things happening, there are several things that could catch your attention. If you were someone just along the sidelines as these people went by, first of all, it would be very quickly noticed that you you would begin to smell something. Uh, Yeah, you'd begin to smell something if you were in close proximity to where this was happening. The Bible talks about how there was myrrh and there were frankincense and there were every, if you will, uh, powder uh, of the merchants that were used in this processional, these incense uh, containers that they had that were smoking and putting an aroma into the air would have definitely caught uh, the noses and the attention of those that were close by. And, And we're not talking about a little stick that you're burning at home in your bedroom. We're not talking about a candle warmer in your living room. Bible depicts this as such. There is such an overwhelming amount of incense that's being used in this processional that the eyes that even behold it speaks as though there are pillars of smoke that are billowing up, billowing up around this parade, around this procession, and the aroma of that incense, of frankincense, and of myrrh, and of various different uh, uh, incenses are just filling the air, and even the bystanders are taking notice, not just with their eye, but with their nose of this great parade of, of, of incense that is going by. And, and the bystanders, one in particular, I guess, it's almost like in verse 6, they are, they're interested in knowing who this is. Who is this that's coming? What, what's the reason for all this pageantry? What, what's the reason for these billows of smoke and all the aroma that is taking place coming out of the wilderness? I mean, we, we have this, the wilderness usually don't smell like this. And man, this is, is kind of good, you know, in contrast to what normally is going on. So who is this that their environment would be set in this type of setting for them to travel, for them to make a process out of the wilderness? And we understand from the scripture that it is the Shulamite. It is the bride of King Solomon. The bride of King Solomon. Solomon as being a king, a very uh, a king that is very bent on uh, doing to the best of his ability for God and evidently for his bride as well. He is going to, to great lengths to spare no expense to usher in his bride into the place of their wedding. As a matter of fact, it begins to describe, the onlookers no doubt are looking at this again. They denote in verse 7, they say, behold his bed. <laughs> They're like, man, look, look, look at that bed. Look, look at the skilled soldiers that, that are around about that bed. But, but who is this? Well, it's his bride. She's, she's being carried. She's being ushered in some way upon Solomon's own bed. And they're saying, would you just look at that? And so everything that <laughs> I didn't mean to say that. Hey, never mind. 
did, if that didn't trigger anything in your mind, it did mine. Okay, I'm sorry. Did you look at that? People that are exposed to that understand exactly what I'm talking about right now. But, but everything that's being mentioned in the scripture, it's being associated with Solomon's name. You know, this is, this is his bed, and they're going to talk about his chariot and, and this and that. Everything that's associated with, with his name, but it's his beloved that is seemingly upon the bed. All these things are spoken as being Solomon's or belonging to Solomon, but they're not being used for him. They're being used for his bride that bed that's his is being used for his bride all of that frankincense and that myrrh that undoubtedly his money is paid for is being used for his bride the chariot that we'll look at later that he has made and crafted with his own hands of some of the most brilliant and best of material is all for the purpose of this gathering together of ceremony and matrimony and so the bystanders are amazed would you I mean would you look at that Bed, surrounded by all these valiant men. The Bible says three score men. A score is 20, so three of them. We're talking about 60 men, valiant men. They're experts in war. They're men that are attired, the Bible says, with swords that are on their sides. And so, as a bystander, they easily could have become the focus. I mean, how often do you see 60 men surrounding a bed marching through from the wilderness and going to a place and they smell good? You understand what I'm saying? And so that could have very well become the, the focal point. I mean, 60 men. It's noted in Scripture. You even read in the Old Testament, like 2 Samuel 23. It speaks of David's entourage of mighty men, and it speaks that they were 30. But here there's 60 men that are around the bride of Solomon. He's doubled the amount of men for his bride, and they're well-armed. They're well-armed, and they are well-trained. And they're ready in a moment's notice, if needful necessary, to protect her and dismiss any threat that would come upon her. Let's bring it to the little modern day here. Women are fainting along the sidelines, wishing that they could trade places with this lucky lady. If I could hear the clatter, I'm getting a little modern day here, but if I could hear the clatter along the sidelines, I'm hearing one lady say, did you see that? Another one saying, did you smell that? Darling, I got as close as I could just hoping some of that smell get on my clothes because I know I'll never be capable of buying that type of perfume. <laughs> Someone say amen. Huh, you think that's something you got close? I wonder how much that cost him. Honey, you know it was a fortune. He's a king. Another one might have looked at the other and said, you know what? I've never had so many strong, good-looking men surround me like that before. <laughs> Another one said, well, he must think that she's pretty something. Something really valuable to have all those type of men watching over her. You understand everything that could have been grasping the attention of the audience and those that were in the audience. And on top of it all, the Bible begins to re relate to us that there's a chariot here that's in view as well. And it says in verse 9 that King Solomon made himself this chariot. And it begins to describe the chariot that he had created by his own hands. It was made from the wood of Lebanon. Now, folks, the wood of Lebanon, Lebanon is what Solomon used on the inside of the temple. That 
very ornate, most magnificent temple that there'd never been one like or never would be another one like it. He used the same wood that he used on the temple for his chariot. And the, the post, the Bible says, were silver. And, and the canopy or the back of it there were, were golden. And there were purple coverings over the seats of the chariot. Do you understand the trouble and extent that he must have gone through to have purple coverings for his chariot? I'll just give you a small idea. Purple dye, and I'm not trying to be boring, but purple dye was tediously extracted from the murex, which is a sailfish, found along the coast of the Mediterranean Sea. It's estimated that 10,000 shellfish were required to collect one ounce of dye. And he's got seats that are covered in purple coverings. There's a lot of shellfish that's no longer in the Mediterranean Sea. And the price, Brother Fred, at that type of scarcity that must have been involved for that, honey, this is one decked out chariot. He went all the way on a poster. This, this is one decked out chariot. And to finish it all off, the Bible says that the, 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 the floor or it was paved with love. We're not speaking poetic here from the best that I could study and derive is this is that the floor of the chariot was almost as though it were made out of mosaic tile in scenes of love that the daughters of Jerusalem had come and laid some mosaic tile in scenes of love in the floor of Solomon's self-made chariot. Can you imagine that? I mean, this is unbelievable. I'm riding in a chariot that's got silver posts. It's made from the wood of Lebanon. I'm sitting on seats that a bunch of shellfish gave their lives for. And in the bottom, these are the, all these scenes of, of maybe a woman, a man, uh, showing some warm embrace, some scenes of love where my feet, where my feet sat on the bottom of this chariot. I'm telling you now, Solomon dressed out this ride. I mean, and it's within view of this processional. And if there's another thing that could have caught their attention, it would have been that. So, so, so if, if the bed that the bride was riding on and the army didn't catch your attention and if the smell of the environment didn't catch your attention and if the swords glistening on the sides of the soldiers didn't do it or the wood of Lebanon or the scenes of love or the chair, if none of these things, we have all these different things you could choose from that could easily catch your attention. But the Bible says in verse 11, the command and it's imperative when it says go forth and whenever it says behold, it says, go forth and behold, O ye daughters of Zion, and behold King Solomon with the crown wherewith his mother crowned him. He said, go, daughters of Zion. Notice it does not say daughters of Jerusalem. All through the Song of Solomon, it's usually the daughters of Jerusalem. But here it says the daughters of Zion because Zion is the highest point in Jerusalem. And so the writer wanted those that were even at the highest point of Jerusalem to take notice, amen, to lean an eye and an ear to what was being said. Want them to take particular attention to King Solomon. Amen. Now here is where we get, we, we, we cannot, 
not always take our lives and our culture and apply it to Scripture. Because in Western culture, in Western culture, our idea, our focus in a wedding is the bride. But that's not the case in Jewish weddings. The focus is not the bride in a Jewish wedding. The focus is the bridegroom. He said, look at Solomon. Look at Solomon. Pay attention to the king Solomon. But even here, the groom is not in total focus here. Listen, are you following me? We can follow this just a little bit. There has been, it's fine. There has been perfume. There has been incense. There's been billows into the air because of the perfume. There's been the bed upon which the bride has been carried. There's been 60 soldiers around about her in order to ensure her safety. Amen. There has been the chariot. There's been the inlaid mosaic tile of love. There has been the golden post. There's been the purple seats. But the cry is this, daughters of Zion, whenever you go forth, pay particularly attention not to the aroma, not to the bride, not to the wood of Lebanon, not to all these things but you need to look at King Solomon and the crown that his mother has adorned him with in other words it's telling to the readers and those that are there about if you are to be enamored by anything if you're to be caught by anything if anything is to draw your attention it's not what Solomon has devised himself his chariot or his means or his purpose but it's the crown that his mother the crown that his mother placed upon him. It was common in that day for Jews, not so much now, but then it was common for brides and grooms to wear crowns to their wedding day. Crowns was an old Jewish custom of them wearing crowns to their wedding day. They said, you need to pay attention to the crown that Solomon has that his mother has put upon him in the day of his wedding, the day of his espousals, the day of his great joy. Amen. It's quite possible that his mother even made and created this crown to put upon her son it was the spectacle it was the thing to be held at his wedding it was his mother's contribution oh yeah someone say amen was his mother's contribution in other words the writer saying more important than the smell more important than the hefty amount of protection that was provided the foot soldiers more important than all the elaborate decoration that of the chariot that Solomon chose himself is the crown that his mother crowned him with someone say amen, amen. folks this must have been quite important because Solomon is already a king He's not a man seeking to be king. He is a man that is a king. And as a king, he would already have a crown. As a king, he would already have the royal crown that he would wear upon his head. But evidently, he upheld, underscored, and valued the crown that his mother would make him for that day. Even esteemed it higher than the regal crown that he would normally wear because he's placed it aside on this particular day to don, if you will, the crown that his mother crowned him with. Because that crown that it speaks of in Scripture, it's not the royal crown. It's not the crown that's denoting his kingship, but it's just a general wreathen work type crown, amen, probably woven by the hands of his mother. It's, if you will, the handiwork of a mother in his life that he's wearing upon his head. It's the influence of a mother that he has in his life that he has upon his head 
Just wait with here for a little bit. I think it was Abraham Lincoln that said he was raised in poverty and he said this. He said, no man is poor who has a godly mother. So no man's poor that has a godly mother. The word mother or mothers appear in the Bible almost 300 times. The word mother-in-law appears 11 times and always in reference to Naomi, the mother-in-law of Ruth. As a side note, just as a little funny thing to me, as I was thinking about this today, it's amazing that that is normally Naomi who admitted later, you just call me Mara because I'm usually bitter, the mother-in-law. That's my mother-in-law stabbed for today. And she's not even here. And I love my mother-in-law. Amen. But, but nevertheless, and the phrase, and his mother was, appears 20 times in 2 Kings and also in 2 Chronicles. Because the fact remains and it underlines that the importance that is attached to mothers of kings. Someone say amen. Because throughout the scriptures, on more than one occasion, a boy would rise to the throne, listen to me now, not because it was due him, not because he was the oldest in birth order, but many times in Scripture he had rise to the throne because he had a mother that intervened on his behalf for the position of the throne. And such was the case of Solomon. Solomon's mama was Bathsheba. Solomon's mama was Bathsheba. David is nigh death. David is on his deathbed. He's already lost several sons. He's already lost Ammon. He's lost Absalom. He's lost several, several sons in the lineage. Amen. But there is still a son that is older than Solomon that should be rightful reigner, if you will, of the throne. And that's Adonijah. And Adonijah, he's by assumption, is getting everything in order and in place that dad dies and even before he dies, I'm going to call myself king and ruler of the throne. This is what's going to happen. Word starts getting around. Hey man, Solomon isn't doing nothing. Nathan the prophet, though, gets word of it and he kind of nudges Bathsheba a little bit. He says, honey, he says, you need to go in before the king David and you need to somehow get things ordered that Solomon will be the new king. Now, by birth order, Solomon shouldn't have been the new king. Adonai I just should have but because of a mother because of a mother amen the mother of a would-be king she walks into the presence of David. You can look at it in 1 Kings 1, 16. There's a difference. Listen to me tonight. There is a difference in how, how men in the, I'm talking culturally here, in the Old Testament, how David, how kings treated their wives and how children treated their mothers who were kings. Whenever she enters into the presence of David, she bows before him. She says, King, I want to have a word. She begins to speak with him. She says, was there not some oath? Was there, was there not something said that you were going to bring the kingship upon my son Solomon? She begins to speak this to David. Rattle his mind, if you will. Try to bring him to an account of settling the situation. And he does. He gives a decree. He says, here's what we're going to do. We're going to make sure that Solomon is going to be king. I don't care if Adonijah is older than him. You've come in here. You've beckoned. You've made a plea. We're going to make sure that Solomon becomes king. And whenever the day was done, whenever David died when everything was settled you know who was sitting on the throne it was Solomon not because he got there by himself not because he got there by himself but because he had a mama 
See, there's a lot that goes into the picture then. Why on his wedding day he has no problem setting aside his royal crown and wearing the crown that his mama crowned him with because he understood this. I wouldn't have the regal crown if it wasn't for this crown of my mother. I wouldn't have the stately affair. I wouldn't be able to use the wood of Lebanon for my chariot, have the incense around my bride like I do if it wasn't for the influence of my mama. See, mom, mom, being the mother in particular of a king, dynamics change. She goes to her husband as king. She bows. 1 Corinthians 2.19, she goes into the presence of her son as king. And the Bible says, and the king rose up to meet her. This is Solomon rising up. He's king. He's rising up to meet his mom. And he bows himself. Bathsheba goes into David, her husband. She bows herself. She comes now into the presence of her son. He gets up. And he bows himself to his mother. And he sits on his throne. And he causes another seat. Don't get me two folding chairs. Real quick. Y'all done all right? Happy Mother's Day. <laughs> Some of y'all still trying to figure out how you can get a bedazzled chariot like Solomon. Thank you, sir. I appreciate that. Thank you. Just leave that one over here somewhere. Come here. Yeah, come here, wife. You'll be the, the mother. Be the mother. It's fine. I'm just using you as a mother. <sighs> Crying out loud. So, I'm David. This is Bathsheba. She comes in. I sit. She bows. <laughs> Switch rows. Bathsheba stays the same. I'm young Solomon. She comes in. She's doing no bowing. I'm standing up. I'm, folks, it was almost, it, it, it was king, uh, what's, what's the word? Manner, king. Uh, technique that he didn't get up for anybody. Because everybody else was a lesser, not a superior to him. But mama comes in, he gets up. And he bows to mama. He sits back down. Hey, hey, hurry up, hurry up, get a seat, get a seat. Get it over here. Get and he gets a seat for mom. As a matter of fact, the word seat that is described in the scripture is as though it is the same, the same kindness of seat that he is sitting on. All of you yard apes that disrespect your mamas. All you kids that back talk your mama. Because there's a marked difference between a king's wife and a king's mother. A king's mother. Amen. Bathsheba was a remarkable woman. She intervened to have her son Solomon succeed his father as king. 
there is a term for this. It's even used in the Hebrew. I don't speak Hebrew, all right? Gibira was the term. It's a term for queen mother. It was an official position that was held by the mothers of the Davidic kings. She was a very influential mother. She was a royal court mother. She had a lot of influence with the king. Amen. And with that being said, for instance, like Solomon, he had what? 700 wives and 300 concubines, right? So he has a lot of wives, but he's only going to have one mama. He only, he only has one mama. And as a king, he may be her ruler, but by law of nature, she'll still, he'll still always be her son. Amen. And so we have the power of a mother that's placed here in the life. If you'll turn with me, and I won't hold you long, but long enough. Amen. Ezekiel chapter number 19 said, you need to behold, you need to take in consideration the crown that his mother crowned him with. When you look at Ezekiel chapter number 19, it is nothing more but a lamentation. It's a lamentation for the princes of Israel. Princes, not princess, but princes of Israel. You're fine. You can go. You want to sit? Don't you like how comfortable that chair is? Amen. The princes of Israel. It's asking a question. What is your mother, princes of Israel? What is your mother? It begins to talk about a lioness that had taught some young cubs and that they had went out and they had taken the prey and they had devoured men, but they had been taken off the landscape. They had been taken off the field. And how then when that had happened, she reared up another young cub and uh, taught him how to fight and how to devour as well but he was laid off to the side in some waste places and taken away as well and then it begins to speak how how judah is likened to a vine in verse number 16 and it says thy mother is a vine in thy blood speaking how she benefits she benefits her offspring she's fruitful she has branches branches because of all the water that she takes in talking about how beneficial she is to her children how beneficial she is to her offspring and then verse 12 says though whenever she's plucked when she's plucked in fury and now she becomes broken and withered and the fire consumes her and now now it says what about her branches they're gone they're devoured her fruit it's saying there is a direct connection and a direct line between a mother and her offspring and the lamentation is this it is just a, a lamentable thing to be a child and lose the strength the compassion the honor uh, the, the influence of your mom amen now watch me now women that served in this row as mothers to kings they were viewed as more than nurturing a child, raising a child. They were, their influence extended beyond their immediate family into the corridors, if you will, of royalty because these women were not influencing just a child. They were influencing a nation. They were influencing a nation, a whole group of people by their actions, by what they did, how they handled that which was given unto them, their concern, their intuition, all of that. wasn't just a child that was involved here, but a whole nation that was involved. I say this this evening, 
that the role of motherhood, I know it's fell on hard times in our society today. People try to discount it. People try to discount it. Remove its real value and its real importance. But I'm telling you today, as the pastor of this church, it differs not today than what it was then, that whenever you're investing in the lives of your children, you very well are affecting the lives of nations. You are very well affecting the lives of nations. And we're thankful that they are dressed right. Thank you for that. We're grateful for all of that. We're thankful that they're fed good. So appreciative of all that. That they're trained with good manners and of that nature. We're thankful for all of that. But folks, if there's something that we need to take notice of is what mamas can instill. The crown that she has placed upon the head of her children by virtue of her influence in their life that goes beyond just them because they are then going to influence their children and their children. And the branches of the vine, if you will, just continue to go out and out and out. They are raising nations. Oh, yeah, sure. But you know, no, no. No, 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 In the church, even more so than anywhere else, we are raising, you are influencing a nation. Yes, a holy nation, a royal nation, a kingly nation, a church that is a nation. Heroes of unsung, unsung heroes of motherhood. Whenever you look at Proverbs 31, everybody, you know, there's probably several people that heard today about Proverbs 31. The virtuous woman. There's some people probably left today churches and they are feeling quite, as, as my wife said this morning, they're probably feeling like failures after the Proverbs 31 sermon. Because people have portrayed the Proverbs 31 sermon that this is exactly what you're supposed to be like. No exceptions. The Bible tells me that she was above all. She surpassed all. She was the ideal, and then there was the reality. But I'd like to point out to you in the first nine verses, unsung heroes of motherhood, there are words spoken of King Lemuel, peculiar, King Lemuel. We don't read of King Lemuel anywhere else. We don't. We have no other information of him. As a matter of fact, some, some even guess, assume, some with good reason, that King Lemuel was nothing more but a pseudonym for King Solomon. Interesting in that fact that the Bible speaks in verse 1 of Proverbs 31, the words of King Lemuel, it said the prophecy that his mother taught him. Not exclusively, but most of the time, it was the instructions of a father not so much so that of a mother. But here with King Lemuel, who possibly was false name, if you will, an alias for King Solomon is denoting what his mother taught him. His mother was teaching him, don't give your strength to strange women. Some lessons he got, some he didn't. <laughs> don't give your strength to strange women. Watch how you govern the people. Watch how you govern the people. Don't be taken by strong drink because you can't rule rationally with strong drink going through your veins. So Solomon, on the day of his marriage, when he's going to meet his bride, he's going to take her and love her 
show compassion to her. He's done all of these things. I mean, according to the estimation of man, man, he went above and beyond. He just, he just did it all right. And when's the, when's the last time you went to a wedding and they were carried in on the groom's bed? <laughs> and the car was polished out with inlays of love scenes in the floorboard. Did all these things. And I'm closing. Did all these things. But again, the denotation out of all of that. And some of that is very spectacular. We could have been taken back by that. But there was special attention given. Do not forget to pay attention. This is what I don't want you to miss. Is the crown. That his mother. Crowned him. With. I'm thankful. Tonight. We all have them. They might not be material. You might not have it in your closet like you do your, your, your tuxedo or your wedding dress or some croissage you had at your wedding. But we all, in a figurative sense, have a crown that we can point to, that we were crowned with by our mothers. The influence, the words, the wisdom that they spoke into our lives. Mom will go to a king to plead for your position when no one else does. It's the sons of Zebedee's. Mom that goes to Jesus says, let one sit on your right hand. One on your left hand. Because that's the influence and the power of a mother. If you'll stand with me here tonight. Far reaching. Far impacting. Influential. We can just bow our heads in this place. God, I'm thankful here tonight. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.